Barnswell Boxing. You're welcome on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to listen to any or all of a back catalogue of almost 200 episodes, perhaps you just want to find the links to our YouTube channel or any of our social media platforms, go to www.endswellpod.com on the past, present and future of Irish boxing. When fans watch two fighters go toe-to-toe, giving all they've got of themselves, risking their own well-being and their opponents to land and absorb every shot. How many, if any, will stop to consider that what's actually happening in that moment, what exactly is on the line when we take the titles and the glory aside? Great action to start things off here. Here's McClellan. Nigel Ben comes right back. He's letting him... He's letting him punch. He's in trouble. He's, he's out. down. The ring. Seconds into the fight. He's through the ropes. Nigel Ben. How many of us stop to consider what the ultimate price could end up being paid? In this very special episode of Enswell Boxing, we look back at a fight that shook the boxing world to its core and changed the lives of Gerald McClellan and Nigel Benn forever. 27 years ago to the day. You are, as always, welcome on in to episode number 189. An episode that I've contemplated, prepared for, and rewritten numerous times. And that's because it's important once I decided I was going to go ahead with the episode, that I captured as much of the event, its standing in the boxing world at the time, and of course the horrible, dark tragedy that befell Gerald McClellan that night, Saturday the 27th of February 1995. And probably the most important of all is to remember the incredible champion that the G-Man was, and has continued to be every day since, in a fight far greater than anything anybody could ever face in a boxing ring. I'm honoured and humbled to be joined by Lisa McClellan, Gerald's sister and full-time carer. And of all the words you could think of to try and describe her importance to Gerald and to his every day, his every hour, the only thing I could really come up with is Guardian Angel. She's a very special lady and it's an honour to have Lisa tell her story and Gerald's to the Irish boxing fans. Physically, he is in great, great shape. So he's doing very well. We're also going to have former light heavyweight world title contender, Iceman John Scully, who since hanging up the gloves has gone on to train quite a few professional fighters. And right now he's preparing for camp with one of the most formidable hitters and punchers in boxing today, Arthur Beterbiev. John is going to join me to talk a little bit about the work that he does for fallen warriors like Gerald, like Pritchard Colon and like Wilfred Benitez and so many others that he's managed to reach out and help some little bit. I knew him when we were amateur. That's the last time I saw Gerald about two years ago in New York and he was in a wheelchair, he's blind and he couldn't hear that well and I was right next to him. I was literally yelling in his ear and he said what's your name? What's your name? And I kept, I yelled it at least 20 times. John Scully and he couldn't get it. And then he said, what was your nickname? I said, Iceman. And he stopped for a second and he said, oh, you were a bad mother effer as an amateur. I'd be the first to say boxing does so much good for communities all around the world. For people, whether you become an amateur fighter with just a few pro fights, whether you become a national fighter, whether you become an international fighter, whether you become a world superstar. The fundamentals, the discipline and the honesty that boxing instills in fighters from a day one are special. They, they make them special. They intertwine themselves in the being of that fighter. They keep their feet on the ground regardless of how high they climb. The great Brendan Ingle had a wonderful saying, be kind to people on your way up because you'll meet them on your way down. And something that angers me, annoys me, boils my piss if I'm being honest, in the build-up fights, especially in this current era where you hear a lot of people doing everything and saying anything they can to grab those column inches, to grab those social media clips. 
where they'll say they'll go to any length. They'll do anything. They will be willing to give up their life in the ring. That really bugs me when you think of people like Kim Dooku, Johnny Owen, Paul Ingle, Michael Watson, Gerald McClellan himself, or more recently, the great Scott Westcart, who all suffered horrendous injuries, who basically went to do a day's work. And the loss and suffering that's left behind for their loved ones that they faced themselves, it's, it's, it goes beyond anything that any of us should ever have to face to provide for their loved ones or their family. So fight fans should remember, journalists should remember, pundits should remember, podcasters, when you're creating contact, when you're at fights, or commenting or interacting on social media. There are ways and means you can get your points across, you can argue your points, you can tell them they're wrong at times. Disagree without reducing yourself to the level of a troll or one of those keyboard cowards. Respect does go a long way. And my experience up to now tells me it goes a lot farther in the boxing world than any other sporting crucible. Hello, Moto. Irish Power. The best Irish energy drink, and as far as I know, the only Irish energy drink on the market. Put a proper pep in your step. Whether you use it for pre-training or for Monday mornings or to even mix with a drink or two. Whatever you choose, go for Irish Power. It packs a proper punch. And also, top pro boxing. Irish-owned, Irish-run company, Dublin-based. Mike is the man to go to. If you want wraps, if you want boxing gloves, if you want boots, if you want kit, t-shirts, sweatshirts, whatever it is you want, top pro boxing are the ones to go to. Exporting kit to over 80 countries worldwide. Whatever it is you need, top pro boxing have it. And what can I say about Violent Gentlemen? The best boxing specific brand in the business boxing inspired with a vintage concept it's the brand that boxers all over Ireland are now starting to seek out and wear whether it's leisure wear whether it's training wear Violent Gentleman is based in Belfast the best boxing city in the world as everybody knows and if you don't want to believe me take a look at their website www.violentgent20.com Violent inside the ropes a gentleman outside them Behave accordingly. What some listeners might not know, Jeremy Tellen's rise to prominence was no coincidence. It was built on a stellar amateur career where he won four National Golden Gloves titles, all around the light middleweight division. The most striking win as an amateur came in 1988, a resounding win over Roy Jones Jr. and a second place nationally overall. Whilst Jones went on to the Olympics in South Korea, and we all know what happened there, Gerald turned professional his debut ended in a first round KO and it became clear from then on that this was a very special career in the making. Stardom beckoned as he scored 10 straight KO wins in his first 15 fights. Indeed he had 15 KO wins all inside three rounds. By late 1989 the G-Man had switched to the iconic Cronk Gym and was working alongside legendary Hall of Fame coach Emmanuel Stewart. He was with Stewart in 1991, on the back of a 12-fight winning streak, the McClellan travelled to the UK for the first time to face the once-feared legend John the Beast Mugabe for the WBO middleweight title. Mugabe himself was a famous, hard-hitting, relentless puncher, but he was no match for the younger, fresher, hungrier Gerald McClellan. Against John Mugabe, who's now 31 and has one of the most extraordinary records of any professional in the world. He's never had a fight that's gone the distance. And he's had 41 of them. He's won 38. And he's hurt a right hand from the young man McClellan. And Mugabe's over in the opening 30 seconds. And this was a fight everybody thought couldn't possibly go very far because these are two big punches. Mugabe is ready to be taken, I'm afraid. The former world light middleweight champion, now all too vulnerable to heavy punching. Having clinched his first world title, he was now on a collision course with the top hitters in a formidable middleweight division. Four KO wins later, and it was a showdown with one of the most feared punchers in boxing, Julian the Hawk Jackson. On the undercard of Lennox Lewis and Tony Tucker, this would be a shootout between two devastating punchers. Five rounds later, the G-Man stood over Jackson, WBC title, over high over his head, and his position at the top of the 160-pound division cemented. 
Julian going to win it right here. Down goes Jackson. A left hook by Joe McClellan almost sent him through the ropes. He is in serious trouble. His legs are not there. This fight could very well be over right this minute. And there's a minute left to go. Can McClellan finish him off? He's down again. So that was to be Gerald McClellan's last fight at 160 pounds in the middleweight division. He relinquished his belt and went up to super middleweight where he took advantage of the WBO ruling to become a mandatory challenger then for the Nigel Benn middleweight, super middleweight title. That fight then was never set in stone. There was negotiations and there was an, assist, an insistence, I believe, at one point from one of the governing bodies that Ben would face Michael Nunn. It didn't happen. Negotiations went on and a super middleweight title fight was fixed for the 25th of February 1995 between Gerald McClellan and Nigel Ben at the London Arena. It was a co-promotion between Frank Warren and Don King. Ben was a huge underdog, huge, huge underdog. I believe at some one point he was 40 to 1 against and it was thought many people were advising him to stay as far away from McClellan as he could. This was a fight that was going to change his life but the punching power and the ferocity and the, just the, the boxing skills of Gerald McClellan were thought to be too much by many experts. In the build-up, the tension and the animosity and everything else, not so, I don't know if it was so much between the fighters, certainly between the entourages and then, of course, as it got closer, the audience and the fans, it built into what I could only describe as from watching and from remembering and from speaking to Scott Welch and from other people who were there in attendance, a pressure cooker. And you must remember as well that this was pre-pay-per-view. This was when fights were all on terrestrial TV. And here's a little bit of the promotion and build-up that we were treated to in those days ahead of such a super fight. Next Saturday night, we're back at nine o'clock and it should be an absolutely outstanding fight, that one. Two explosive fighters. Nigel Benn, the British champion, British super middleweight champion, defending his title against a fearsome hitter called Gerald McClellan. Throughout his career, Benn's always loved a good old tear-up. Next Saturday, he goes in with one of the hardest hitters of modern times. Benn, though, has seen it all. The challenger, Gerald McClellan, the G-man. He's never been beyond eight, and his record is quite astonishing. 28 wins inside three rounds caught up with him yesterday and asked McClellan for his views on Nigel Benn. Well, I think Ben has uh, been a great champion. He's got to be somebody who has a uh, super middleweight title. And as far as uh, you know, in the ring with me against an opponent like Ben, I don't think I should have no problem. I won't have a problem. I mean, it's a perfect style. He's, he's a guy that's going to come towards me. He has a lot of heart. He thinks he's a big puncher, so that's be tailor-made for me. Barkley was a hard puncher, but you know you got to have speed and power to make a great punch. You know Barkley's punches were very hard. You know you can see him coming. The punches that knock you out are the ones you don't see coming. So I had the speed. And so power. the build-up went on and on. The preparations, the fight camp, and then of course the promotion aspect. And Gerald arrived in London, I believe, the week or so before the fight, for the fight that was to be ultimately his last. It was. Then the fight for life every day since but nobody could have known nobody could have been aware and I'm not going to go into all of the intricacies and the different layers to what made a really ugly at times fight anybody that hasn't already seen the fight I will put the link to, the, to it in the notes below today but I'm sure there are many if not all have seen it at some point in time it is by any stretch and even compared to any other fight it's it's pretty unique so if you do want to have a look at it and remind yourself, it's in the notes below today. And just before we hear from Lisa, Iceman John Scully is a former pro himself. He's been in with the very best. He'll tell a few little stories about his sparring. I'm going to do a very special episode about himself because his grandparents, both sets of grandparents, hail from County Cork. So watch out for that in the coming down the line in a couple of weeks' time. He works right now. He's part of Arthur Baterbiev's camp and he does some Trojan work in fundraising for people like Gerald McClellan. Anyone that's not familiar, John is a, an integral part of the corner of, of, I believe, is the most ferocious man in boxing today in, in, in Arthur Baterbiev. His shots, I've, I've seen the stuff that you've done with him on the pads, and, and the only thing I can describe it, and I said it to you in the text, is it's just a different sound. Before I skip by it as well, I love the stuff that you do online, John. You make it your business to, to visit the iconic places. I was teaching my son here last week, the week before, about the, the miracle on ice. And he was riveted. He was glued to the TV and wanted to know how I knew him. 
of course I knew because you had put it up on the screen but recently I suppose a little bit sad Johnny Taco's gym it's gone it's no more yeah 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 it's just they just closed like 10 days ago 12 days ago um you know it's horrible I mean like that was that was the the home of Sonny Liston and you know Mike Tyson and so many guys were there uh you know I sparred Mike McCallum there back in the 80s and uh just an iconic and it was right up there with the Cronk gym and the fifth street gym and uh yeah it's a it's a loss for boxing and i think a lot of people don't realize it because a lot of the people that i i told on my facebook they were surprised you know they didn't even know uh so i think it's uh yeah it's definitely a sad uh week for boxing and thank you very much for taking a few minutes to talk to me across the pond and the reason of course is is i'm reaching out it is 27 years since Gerald McClellan and Nigel Benn did what I could only describe as an epic battle. And it's been epic for many reasons, but um, the outcome of it, of course, is, as we all know, and in many ways, it's a stain on this sport that we love so much. You're one of the few, John, who does incredible work. And whilst it might seem not enough at times, it's more than most are doing, isn't it? Can you tell us a little bit about the fundraising that you do and, and, and not just for Gerald? Right. Well, I... Uh I've been doing it for, I mean, I lost track. I mean, you know, four or four years, five years, I guess. I don't know. Um, basically, what happened was a few years ago, uh, I believe it was Wilfred Benitez. Somebody called me and said, Wilfred Benitez is in bad shape and they needed to raise a little bit of money for, you know, for whatever it was. They needed something. And I said, okay, yeah, I think I could do that. And I told some people online about it on my Facebook, which I have a tremendous family on facebook great great people and i said hey you know i need to raise some money for wilford benitez and you know instantly like people were donating money and and we got the money like in two hours and i said wow it's crazy and uh so i had uh you know and somebody somebody suggested to me they said man you know next time you need some money you know you should sell one of your pictures or you know sign something for someone and i said all right yeah that's a good idea and i said well you know I mean, I mean, my my things aren't going to go for a lot of money, <laughs> but I know a lot of guys in the game who are stars, you know, Gerald, uh, Roy Jones and this, this, different people. So I started having different people sign things, gloves and trunks and different things, pictures, and I would sell them. And it was so easy. Like people are starving for this memorabilia. Mm-hmm. I was able to help. And then I... I branched off and, and I heard about Gerald McClellan and then I heard about uh, Pritchard Cologne and I've heard about a few other guys who, you know, aren't really well known. You know, their, their, their situation isn't well known yet, so I won't mention their names. But so in any event, so basically I've just been whenever I see guys, Junior Jones or Irene Barkley or whoever, I'll have them sign different items and then I put it up and, and I auction it off to the highest bidder and then send the money to whoever needs it. And, um, you know, it's been eye opening because now, you know, I'm around many former fighters more often than I've ever been. I'm always at different events. And, and it's amazing how many of these guys are in bad shape and how many of them really need help. Uh, you know, they can't take care of themselves. Their family has to take care of them. And, and they're impaired in different ways. And, you know, Gerald and Wilfred are completely impaired. Like they couldn't survive without their families. Uh, so, you know, it's kind of like my, uh, it's kind of like my thing, my hobby, my whatever passion, whatever the word is. Uh, you know, so I raise money basically and help these guys, uh, help their families take, take care of them. For you, you boxed at the very top level you got to see most of these guys and more operate at their very best Iron Barkley and Gerald are just two with, with Bernita's legendary I mean they set standards that many would struggle to meet today even in training that goes beyond that they entertained they they are the reason for millions and millions they're the reason why a 10 year old boy in Ireland decided to watch boxing wasn't very good at it but never lost the love for it because because they had this little bit of something, this little bit of magic. feels wrong in this day and age when there's so much money and so much, we want to say, disposable right. cash. And these guys still seem to get forgotten about. It, it, it's um, right. Surely in this day and age, if the great Jake Paul wants to change boxing, as he says, and leave it in a better way than he found it, surely that's one of the best places he could start, no? 
And I, I said that months ago. I said, listen, you know, he, he, a lot of people, a lot of diehard boxing people don't like him for the fact that he just came in with no amateur career, no pedigree, no history, and just started making all this money. And, you know, people are, are you know, offended by hmm. that to a degree. And I understand it. But here's the thing. If he really wanted to do something, and I, I tagged him on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, never got a response. And I'm like, listen, you want to ingratiate yourself in the game. If you really want to make yourself known and respected, I go, you're making so much money that you could give $100,000 to Wilfred Benitez. Now, to you, talking to Jake Paul, uh, it would be nothing. It would be like me dropping a penny on the ground. Mm -hmm. It would be nothing. To Gerald McClellan and Wilfred Benitez and Pritchard Cologne, to their families, that would be like $100 million. Like 100000 would change their lives. It would make things so much easier because these people take care of these fighters. And, and listen, I visited Gerald and Wilfred, and I can assure you, they are completely impaired. They require, they could never in a million years live alone for one day. They would starve. They could not live alone for one day. These guys, Floyd Mayweather, you know, and I'm not, and and, and people misunderstand me. I'm not saying Floyd Mayweather has to do this, uh, but if he set aside, think about this: a thousand dollars a month, twelve thousand dollars a year. If he gave Gerald McClellan a thousand dollars a month, he would change Gerald's mm. life. He would make it so much. And a thousand dollars would be like a penny every 10 years <laughs> me giving somebody a penny every 10 years going hey here you go take that i don't need it uh you know and like i say he doesn't have to do that but i wish i wish a guy like floyd or jake paul or, or whatever whoever would do it and not even say anything not even not even get publicity for it just do it you know just do it and you know set up an account or something because you know these guys are, are they paved the way uh you know, it would just be, it would just be very, very, you know, it'd be, it'd be unbelievable. It'd be awesome. And, and I, I mean, put it this way. If I, if I had the money, I would do it. I would do it without mm -hmm. question. <laughs> like, there's not even, a, there's not even a chance in the world that I wouldn't do it. It would be so easy. It would be so, such a no brainer. I would do it without a doubt. Guaranteed. hundred percent. Having been around, as you said, these guys in their prime, the Cronk gym when it was at its peak, you've seen Gerald McClellan. And I'm, again, I'm focusing on Gerald. I mean, he was ferocious. He, having seen him then and then sat in his company now, how does that make you feel? I knew him when we were amateurs. We were actually in a training camp together. I'll tell, I'll tell you what, if, you, if you've ever seen, there's a video on YouTube of myself sparring with Roy Jones. And if you watch it, at the end of the sparring, the camera pans to the left, and you see Sugar Ray Leonard sitting next to Gerald McClellan on a table, talking in the gym, watching us spar. Now, Gerald, that's the last time I saw Gerald, about two years ago in New York, and he was in a wheelchair, he's blind, and he couldn't hear that well. And I was right next to him. I was literally yelling in his ear, and he said what's your name what's your name and i kept i yelled it at least 20 times john scully john scully john scully and he couldn't get it and then he said what was your nickname i said Iceman. and he stopped for a second and his mind must have went back to 1988 and he said Oh, you were a bad mother effer oh, as an amateur. Oh, wow. He remembered. It was so crazy. It sent chills down my spine. You were up close and personal with Arthur and, and, and seeing the, the, the devastation that those shots caused. And the, the inevitability of boxing is that somewhere along the line, maybe it's going to catch up as well. We would only hope that in 20, 30, 40 or 50 years time that these guys aren't been left the same way as, as those guys, couldn't we? Right. Well, you know, you know, it's a crazy thing. Like, you don't, like you see these guys, it's like kind of like when I see someone, like I graduated high school in 1985. Now, if a guy that I graduated with who I haven't seen sees me on Facebook and says, hey, let's meet at the restaurant. I haven't seen you since high school. When I go, I expect him to look like he did yeah. when he was 17. You know what I mean? That's who I'm looking for. The funds. And when, I, when, they're, when they're not the same, I'm like, what? So what happens is, 
now I'm seeing these guys who I haven't seen in 30, 35 years. And, you know, some of them have walkers and, you know, mm. they need a walker to get around. And, and I'm like, wow, this game is unforgiving. It's brutal what it does. And I consider myself lucky because I had a lot of amateur fights, a lot of pro fights. I'm, you know, a lot of sparring. Uh, and I consider myself very lucky that I'm not impaired as well. So being one of the ones that made it through, it's kind of like my job to, you know, shine a light and, and help out the ones who didn't. I want to just outline, I suppose, my thoughts and feelings as I prepared, researched and recorded and edited this episode I think you will notice from my questions and my conversation with Lisa that I was very tentative. I have written the questions three, I think, yeah, three times. I have reworded them. I have rephrased them. I have practiced how to ask them and when. Not a fear. Fear isn't the right word. It's not fair. I think respect. I think diligence. And I wanted to make the most of the time that this lady was prepared to give me because... I don't get stuck for words very often, as many of you will know. But I've been struggling all week to find words to sum up what Lisa McClellan does, how she does it, and how she has done it every day since. You will hear Gerald in the background as we speak. And I thought about editing it out. There were a couple of incidents. There was an incident as we spoke. I, I, I think he acted up a little bit. I'm not too sure what he did. And I thought about editing it out, but... Lisa's words are in my ears. We're, we're, we're normal people. What you see is what you get. Nothing is for show. And this episode, which I'm releasing Saturday, it's to the day. It's 27 years since the fight. Before I jump into the um, to the boxing stuff, Lisa, how is Gerald these days? He is doing very well. Physically, he is in great, great shape. So he's doing very well. The biggest issue we have is behavior issues. And a lot of that is due to what we know is CTE, but can't be diagnosed. But there's this different stages where there's a lot of anger and aggression and lots of behaviors. So we're, we're there now. He's being bowled, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. I get the impression as well, and it's a credit to yourself, he might have been the world champion. Two of you guys, um, I'd say, it would be a, a fairly good sparring session. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, look, we go at it, and I, I don't give in to him. Like this morning, it, it took me two hours after his bath to get him out of the bathtub. Once he want if, if if something's in his mind yeah. and he don't want to do it, he's not going to do it. A huge part of what you do is, I suppose, it's it's that, and and he he knows that too. Because however stubborn he's going to be, you're going to be twice as stubborn. Absolutely. <laughs> One of the things I often wondered about, and and you don't see or hear too much about, a young Gerald McClellan. What what was he? Was he always into sport? Was he mischievous? How was he? Always a very serious kid. My dad started um, him and my brother boxing probably at the age like seven or eight. And and it was always to be taken serious. So he, he was always very serious and, and very dedicated. I remember in middle school, he didn't he didn't play other sports or anything because it was he was always focused on boxing. He always had that aura. He always had that um, presence, it seems. like he, Some guys like to do a lot of talking. Fascinating thing about his interviews, he was soft-spoken, but he had that aura and image of a champion, and the eyes told more than any voice could ever speak. I mentioned a little bit in the build-up to this about Gerald's amateur career, and it gets, again, that side of it gets forgotten on this side of the pond. It probably was destined very early out, wasn't it, because he, he had such a successful amateur career. Yeah, we would, um, even as an amateur, we grew up in Wisconsin. He would pack the house the days that he, when he fought on the cards. I remember um, he used to fight at the Eagles Club in Milwaukee. He would have a full house. John Scully told me a lovely story yesterday. I knew him when we were amateurs. We were actually in a training camp together 
I tell, tell you what, if, you, if you've ever seen, there's a video on YouTube of myself sparring with Roy Jones. And if you watch it, at the end of the sparring, the camera pans to the left, and you see Sugar Ray Leonard sitting next to Gerald McClellan on a table talking in the gym watching us spar. Now, Gerald, that's the last time I saw Gerald about two years ago in New York, and he was in a wheelchair, he's blind, and he couldn't hear that well. And I was right next to him. I was literally yelling in his ear. And he said, what's your name? What's your name? And I kept, I yelled it at least 20 times. John Scully, John Scully, John Scully. And he couldn't get it. And then he said, what was your nickname? I said, Iceman. And he stopped for a second. And his mind must have went back to 1988. And he said, oh, you were a bad mother effer oh, as an amateur. Oh, wow. He remembered. It was so crazy. It sent chills down my spine. He is very much still aware of what he is. Oh, absolutely. Me. Absolutely. Do you remember Lamar Parks? Yes. He was a, um, a really good middleweight back in the 90s. And him and Gerald were supposed to fight for – they paid Lamar and Gerald to step aside so Roy Jones and James Tony could fight. And then Gerald and Lamar was going to fight, and then the winner was going to fight the winner of the Jones and Tony. And right before the fight, Lamar supposedly tested HIV positive. So his career was over at that point. But he is one of the fighters um, that we're going to tell his story on the show. And so I talked to him probably maybe two to three days a week. And the other day, um, Gerald was yelling at me. And, and Lamar was like, put him on the phone. So I put Gerald on the phone and he was like, hey man, don't talk to your sister that way. Your sister loves you. She's been there taking great care of you. And, and Gerald said, show up at my door. <laughs> <laughs> the old champ, the old streak is still there. Right. And, and we didn't catch what he was saying at first. And then I said, what do you mean? And he said, tell him to show up at my door so I can kick his ass. <laughs> <laughs> he progressed from the amateur sport into the pro game, which a lot of young fighters these days, they've all, we've, whether it's been Shakur or whoever it's been, they're, they're almost preordained. It's, but it doesn't happen that easily. But it seemed for him that the levels and the skill and the talent was such that the minute he teamed up with Emmanuel, they almost, they almost formed a... a an unbeatable team, didn't they? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yes, that's true. But a lot of that credit goes to my dad, the discipline and um, the work ethic, you know, and the hard training. And I think that's a credit that goes to my dad. So kind of what Emmanuel got was like the finished product of, all the years that my dad had put into Gerald. So that's that's another side of it that we wouldn't have heard much about. So the talent came with that discipline. Oh, yeah. And the discipline, I suppose, then was continued with Emmanuel, who was able to focus then a little bit more on different areas. Right. Emmanuel was just able to, because of the name he had already established yeah. for himself, was able to take Gerald, you know, to that level because of who he was. Is Gerald aware that Emmanuel has passed or has he did he know after Yeah, keep on updated on what's going on. Not so much with the new fighters and that, but like guys that he knew and, you know, people that was in his life um before he got hurt. I kinda keep him yeah. informed on what's going on. But I did share Manny passing. And and he was he was very sad. I'm, I'm I'm being delicate and I'm being respectful of the night in question. The energy and everything around it, I think, 
there's a lot to be learned from not allowing things to bubble over and to turn into something that it did. There was a lot of people who, who weren't able to have an influence on it, probably wanted to be seen to have an influence over it. So I understand you, you've never watched that fight, have you? No. How quickly after it did you become aware of the seriousness of, of what had happened and the condition that Gerald was in? Immediately after he left the ring, we knew, we were told that he was going um, to the hospital for observation. And then about five minutes after that, we were told that he had to go into emergency surgery. When when it first happened, my aunt, my sister, and Gerald's girlfriend went over. And then I think they stayed a couple of weeks. And then my aunt and my sister came home and Gerald's girlfriend stayed. And then my dad went. Actually, they were probably in the sky at the same time. I would call and and speak to the the nurses every morning and every afternoon and every evening. I remember I got my first telephone bill and it was $10,000. And a guy named um, Tony Page paid the phone bill for me. There was no way I could pay, (laughs) pay the phone bill. But... It was it was very touch and go. Um, in the beginning, I think they gave Gerald like a 10% chance of survival. But every day it seemed like it got better. My, my dad would give us daily updates and I would speak to the doctors every day. But I just wanted him to hurry up and get home. They said he wasn't ready. But it wasn't, it, w- it was really under Don King's control. And that's the part I didn't like. Yeah. It, it was that Don was making the decisions. I, I remember talking to the doctor one day and he told me that they had to get permission from Don. And I'm like, so I ended up calling the American Embassy and um, kind of found out like in in the United States you you have to have you have to be like the next of kin to be able to get information or you have to be an assigned person like papers have to be signed and none of that was in place nor was Don a family member and then once my family got there I figured the responsibility of making decisions should have been left with my family. So at that point, they were still letting Don control the situation. But after I called the American embassy, it was, you know, I, I made it very clear that Don was not a relative. He was not a family member and we shouldn't definitely have to go to him to get information on Gerald's care nor should he even be getting Gerald's care. So after that point, it kind of turned around. And um, so it was my family that was making the decisions. So once we knew Gerald was stable enough, you know, we put a lot of pressure on them to fly him back to the United States. He got through that. And then the rehab, I suppose, was was a case of one day at a time, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. We didn't even know. He he came home in April. We didn't know he actually lost his sight until June. Again, just to go off topic for a minute, I suppose one of the things is very, as difficult as it is and as, as, as it can be at times, there's always a very clear feeling of love around the place. Yeah. Although probably sometimes, did, sometimes you probably want if you don't mind me saying, um, it's very much like taking care of a child. A 260 pound child. Yeah. 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 The improvements that he's made and the recovery that he's made are probably beyond anything anyone would have expected. But as you say now, the effects you're starting to see, I suppose, are CTE. And do the effects or have they ever eased or have they got worse over time? The only thing that's gotten worse is his behavior, his his mental capacity, um, like his ability to be able to understand and remember. And, and that is great. Yeah. And, and and it's actually over time has probably gotten better, but the behavior 
it's what is the only thing that's getting worse. And I'm praying, I'm praying that the stem cell helps with that. And, and the stem what, what cell exactly treatment. is the stem cell, stem cell treatment, expect, is that hoped to, to reduce the effects of, of CTE and, and trauma? It, he's going to get 6 million stem cells. And they, um, the intention of the stem cells is to go where they're needed in his brain. And they kind of, where cells have died, those cells grow and take over the function of the cells that were once there that died. And would it be right to say that they would probably be, that along with his own condition, that he's also, he's he's heading for, I suppose, the, the age of, of all of us, that where, where those things would naturally be happening as well. So it's that on top of his own condition, or is it a direct result of, of, what's, of, of, of his trauma? Oh, it's a direct result. Yeah. Yeah, so and hopefully the stem cell treatment is that due that's that's due to happen soon for you? Oh yes. Any any day now. So you'll have a brand new Joel McClellan smiling and happy and, and it'll be an awful lot easier to manage. I'm I'm hoping. I'm praying. Yeah, well, from your lips to our ears we'll 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 um we'll we'll as again I keep saying it, it doesn't seem enough at times, I suppose, but the, the, the positivity and the love of from Ireland and from around the boxing community if it can be converted into something physical to, to, to actually ease the burden as well we, over the years, hopefully that can. But this is the next step for him. Yeah, I'm I'm praying that that we have some improvements. From, from the footage I've seen, Lisa, uh, the lead up to the reunion with himself and Nigel Benn, it was difficult in many, many ways. It's difficult for anybody that really loves the boxing and, and boxers. Difficult to watch because you can... I was able to grasp it. It was the enormity of it, but it was particularly difficult on you, wasn't it? Probably one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And actually, the day before, I had changed my mind about the meeting and and didn't want to go through with it. And was that fair to say? Was it a lot of anger? It was It was a, a mixture of things. And, and what's funny... I mean, we just real people, you know, and and nothing is for show. It it, it whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, it is what it is. Yeah. And with Nigel, it's the complete opposite. I don't think to this day, Rich, he know that I overheard a conversation that he had with his agent, who put this whole thing together. Everybody said, oh, Nigel had this event. Nigel had nothing to do with the event except for he showed up. Mm. Kevin Lushing put did 100% of the work. And when, when we were there, I had to go to, um, I wanted to find a beauty shop to get my hair done. Um, Gerald had gotten my hair wet and so Kevin took me to, um, Kingston to, to find a beautician and Nigel was just arriving to England and, and the hotel that we were in was, was a pretty nice hotel, probably like a four or five star hotel. And I guess... Nigel didn't know that I was in the car with Kevin when he made the call to Kevin. And he said, um, this was before the meeting. He's, he, 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 Kevin answers the phone and Nigel's like, remind you now he's supposed to be a pastor. He changed his life. He's such a different person. But when he answered, when Kevin answered the phone, he's like, why the fuck am I at the fucking hotel with the McClellans? I don't fucking want to be there. This hotel is beneath me. So I'm listening to all of this. And this is actually like the day before we meet. 
So we in the car and um, Kevin's trying to like soothe it over. And he's like, okay, man, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll book you to another room right away, blah, blah, blah. So the next day we meet Nigel, but mind you, that conversation is still in the back of my mind. Mm. And, and it made me question everything about him being a pastor, being a man of God, um, all of that. So all of that was going through my mind when we met. All that on top of your concern for Gerald, because how, how can you prepare Gerald for, I know he, he's, he, again, just to recap over, he, he has no memory of that fight, of the fight with Nigel, has he? No, he he doesn't have any his own memory, but what he remember is what I've told him over the years what happened that night. So if 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 you ask him to recall it, it's not from his own memory. Yeah. He remember what I told him happened. Nigel Ben, he's helping you for a fundraiser. Me? Yeah. Yes, yes. But Joe, he has problems too. He's had lots of problems too. He's had lots of problems too. Yeah, after the fight. After y'all fight. Yeah. He tried to commit suicide. He tried to commit uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. He tried to commit suicide. He's had a lot of problems. Nigel has had Nigel the Beast Ben has had lots of problems too since y'all fought. Yes. Yes. But listen, listen. Now, Joe, listen. Listen, Joe. Something else that I mentioned to John Scully as well, and it's very apparent, is, and I wouldn't have known until I started doing the, this research that I needed to do, is that the coverage and the commentary from the UK side is worlds apart from the commentary and the coverage in the US. Right. And not to even mention the referee. So that's a whole nother topic in itself because the referee didn't speak or understand English. So why would he be there? To come right back at Ben. He says, get out of my way to the referee. A right hand by McClellan. Ben continues to be in dire trouble. Can he survive this first round? McClellan's fighting the referee off, then fighting Ben. I'm just punching away. What is this guy doing? The referee, Alfred Asharo of Paris, keeps stepping in for no unknown reason. No McClellan doubt. like a buttsaw. No doubt about it. He wants that first round knockout. He promised everybody. ...to get out. He really did. He's really fired up for this one, and he will need to be, because this is some puncher. McClellan looking for him straight away, Reg, right from the opening bell, he's looking for the finisher. He's ducking very low, Jim, below the, the waistline, and as he looks as though he's done him in the opening round, and we thought this might happen. That was why the odds were so big. Is he going to climb back? You can usually get a bit longer to get back from uh, the canvas, more than ten. But this man is absolutely tremendous puncher. He's got to throw punches back now, Ben, Benji, to hang take in another there. Count, Reg. He should take another count until his head clears. Get back onto the one knee... Try and get that head clean. His legs are completely gone. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's not defending. He's not attacking. He must take another count to get his head clear. See, he's technically ducking below the waistline, which he's not allowed, but does it matter? I don't blame him. I try and jump on this fellow's back. But what he's doing now, that's the only way he can, is to claim him. The French referee is pushing McClellan off, which won't please him too much. He's trying to keep McClellan off, but this man will not be denied. Ben badly shaken. 
it, he's supposed to be at the most dangerous when he's wounded, Ben. He's proved that in the past, but uh, this fellow's a little bit higher class than some of the... See, hey, well, Jim, he's almost falling over as he turned away from the referee. Ben there. is not dangerous here, Rez, because he's so badly stunned he can't get any leverage into his counter-punches. See, nothing in that punch, off balance, his body weight is back. That was a better shot. And McClellan just takes it and comes back. His choice of when he, when he got involved and when he didn't was questionable, to say the least. Yeah. I don't want to go over too much. I don't want to make it uncomfortable. What really fascinated me, I suppose, was, and, and what I wanted to ask you about, was how do you prepare, Gerald, Lisa, for, for an event like a reunion? Because essentially you've, you've got two people coming together whose lives changed for immeasurable reasons in total opposite ways. And, and there's no way of knowing how that's going to turn out, is there? No, there was nowhere to prepare him because he still had his own emotions and his own feelings. So we didn't know how he was going to react. I think it's fair to say he reacted um, from what I've seen. Um, I'm an Irishman. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And um, there's moments in that documentary that just every single time, I think the more I see it, the more it gets me because the more you become aware of really how, but... He he really turned to you, didn't he? In that moment, he he turned into you, and you could see Lisa, and and he was looking for reassurance, and you were able to be there for him. It's 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 at all the important times he turns to you, doesn't he? Oh yeah. And and he needs is that that's hasn't lessened or hasn't reduced over the years. It's always it's it's been it's always the same. That's that's you're the, the constant one beside him. Oh yeah, it's it's if I leave for an hour, he'll ask a hundred times, "Where's Lisa? Where's Lisa? Where's Lisa? Where's Lisa?" And and I I know in his mind that he know I'm gonna protect him, and then two, he want to know. Um, Who's with him and if he's going to be okay? Are you cool? Yeah. 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 You tell me. You tell me. You tell me. You Hmm. We just move you back to where we got the lights. Just, just in the middle of the Hang on. Back in touch. Hang on. Just have to turn Hang on. Hang on. Yeah. That's perfect. Nine. Gregory Chen. Please. Can I move back? Hang on. Excuse me, guys. Gregory. 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 Gregory Ben. Nigel. Gregory Ben. Bubbly. Gregory. Gregory. He right here. Gregory. Gregory. Nigel Gregory Ben. Nigel Gregory Ben. Yes. 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 Zero. Twelve. Twelve. Stay in the hospital for six months. Six months. Lisa. What? You spent all October night. No. Lisa. Yeah. You know something? What? What? Lisa. What? What? Looking at you. Looking at you. Looking at you. Looking at me. He got a million dollars. I said it, President. Say. 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 It's it's a comfort thing. It's, it's he he needs to yeah. it. It's a reassurance because the trauma has such has left him in that state where where he doesn't. There's just there's no he he doesn't know for sure who's what what's what's happening in the next moments. Yeah. The displays of of the person character shines through quite a lot, doesn't it? Gerald's character. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, it's the, almost like he's a different person when we're home. Versus when we're out at an event. He's sick. Hang on, see Gerald? Yeah. What was his boxing name? Iron Barton. Yeah. Squeeze it. We tight. We tight. So Iron Rain. Rain name. My name is Iron Barton Ray. Right. We tight. Iron Barton Ray. Right. It's raining. I said Iron. The Blade Barton. 
the blade. Listen. Yeah. I like that nigga blade. You do? Huh? You do? Listen. I'm in the G-Man. Uh, no. Huh? No. Hell yeah, no. Listen. Gerald. Nah. What if nah. you would have been G-Man, the blade, McClough? Hell no. Iran, the blade, what? Partner. Right. I mean, no, my name is Martin, no name. No. No. You want to ask him? Huh? You want to ask him? Where is it? Right here. Huh? Right here. No. Yeah. Where? Right here. I mean. Yeah, baby. What? Listen all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Lisa, what? Lisa. What? It's crazy. Lisa. What? Lisa. What? I'll be damned. <laughs> what? It's scaring me. <laughs> what yeah, I was middleweight. Huh? I was middleweight. Which way now? Yeah. I'm heavyweight. What you weigh? 230. 230? Yeah. 230. 230. Listen. Huh? Listen. Yes. Listen. Yes. Say excuse me. Listen. Listen. What? Listen. 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 You say you're the bike at middleweight? Yeah. How much weigh now? 230. Huh? 230. 230? Yeah. Middleweight, 160 or 144? I used to fight at 160. Listen. Listen. Yeah. You big? Yeah. Listen. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Look at him. He handsome? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. Listen. Yeah. What's the you saying? You saying no? Why you always try to put me on front street? Huh? Why you always put me on front street? Always in on Yeah. Listen. What? Squid. Squid. Irene. Why did you ask me that? Squid money. So I ain't nothing on this Okay. Who led did you think this was? Yours. You know damn well, you know damn well my leg ain't that big. You know he beat your idol ass. Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You start time. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Lisa. What? Lisa. What? What? Right here. Tommy. Easy, easy. You beat Tommy? Yeah. And you stop him? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. God, let me shake you, Mike. God, I'll be damned. You're a bad man. Uh, he stopped Tommy. Yeah. He, he's performing. You know. He's in performance mode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> the last huge event that I want to look at was his induction to the Hall of Fame. And uh, that in itself was an ordeal that not many knew about. Oh, my God. He had a seizure on the plane, and they put us off the plane in Phoenix, Arizona. And they 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 called us a taxi to the nearest hotel, and 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 that was it. We were completely on our own, and I was with my my best friend was with us, and um, the same one that came to England with us. Um, she had the, the guy at the hotel took her to the liquor store so we could get a drink. (laughs) So we went out on the balcony and had a drink and came up with a game plan of how we were going to get home. We ended up renting the car. We were only five hours away from the hall of fame. So we drove the five hours. We made it there about 10 minutes before Gerald got his award. And then we had a 45-hour drive back home. And we drove straight through nonstop. Oh, my God. That was the worst journey ever. Incredible. That 45 hours. Everyday life, do you get a chance to get out and get him out and about? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he- yeah We. my daughter lives like three hours away. So we travel there at least two to three times a month. Um, we go out to the park, we go to McDonald's, we, we get out, we go for, just go for car rides. Sometimes I take him over to my brother's and he hang out with my brother and his, and his wife and grandkids. So he get out a lot. I also understand he has two sons. One or both of them are boxing. Is that, um, is that difficult to think of or is that just, that's just the way it is? It's hard, but um, 
I support him. Um, if I had it my way, um, I wouldn't want them to do it. But um, Gerald Jr. seems to be um, 100% in. So I just support him the best I can. The hope is that that boxing as a whole can, can look after, not just Gerald, but the likes of Wilford, the likes of Earl Graham. There's too many. I, I said to John last night, I hope in 20, 30, 40 years time, we're not saying the same about the fellas that we're watching today because these people are putting their lives on their line for everyone else's entertainment and I just hope that boxing as a whole can, can be able to wrap their arms around these fellas and, and, and take better care of them. What we're doing is we're starting a movement and in, in not just for for TV but we're starting a movement and I do have Mauricio Suleiman is our biggest supporter but we're starting a movement of where we're going to start looking after these fighters I have a um, a a research and a clinical trial going now on different ways to to help improve um, we, we have fighters today and then we have retired fighters. So we're doing studies on what works to keep the fighters today from developing CTE and dementia and um, the TBIs. So we're, we're trying to start a movement on where we make people, we make the promoters and the managers and the um, sanctioning bodies where we haven't even had to make them because once we presented the idea to Mauricio, he was in 100%. So just hoping that these other people see what we're trying to do and see the difference we make and 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 it'll be a part of how the the other sports are taking care of their athletes and 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 we do the same for boxing we're looking into um we have a home a lot of homeless fighters out here in the UK as well we're looking into opening facilities for the fighters to be able to get services and get on their feet and um, we're working with doctors to get these guys diagnosed to see if they have head trauma um, and, and then to find housing for these guys. So um, we're doing that through our foundation. It'll be an honor to be able to help in any way, shape or form, whether it's simple stuff like sharing or, or contacting any fighters and any managers or anybody I can it'll be a pleasure and an honour please pass on all the luck and love of the Irish to yourself and, and to Gerald and to, to all your team that make the days a little bit easier as much as possible can you tell us how if anybody wants to help and if anyone wants to reach out in any way shape or form how, how they can get in touch and what the best way to do it would be right now we have a, a GoFundMe campaign I can send you the link what's left for me to say on this story this fight, this fight for life that Lisa and Gerald, their family and their team, they haven't already said it, with their everyday actions. There's so many emotions, there's so many triggers in the clips as Gerald introduced to the cameraman when he's meeting Nigel Benn at the fundraiser in London. There's there's just, it's, it's, it's all so real. It's all so real and right in that moment, when you see him clutching Lisa's hand for comfort, the hand that wreaked havoc in the boxing world for so many years, you damn well better remember that the next time you interact with fighters or with people in general on your social media or anti-social media or wherever it is, some people choose to act like something they're not. Big special shout out to all the Irish fighters in action around the world tonight and tomorrow and the rest of the weekend whether it's in the pro rings or the amateur rings thank you for taking time to listen to this share the episode if you think you like it I think it's a story that people should and need to remember particularly in this day and age when boxing has become so very cool and sexy 
It's fitting, I believe, to leave the last word to the lady and herself. The GoFundMe link is in the notes below today. Thank you to John Scully. Thank you to Lisa McClellan. And thank you once again for listening. Yeah. I want to share something with you. Gerald accomplished a lot of things in his life. When you can have a dream as a young boy and see it out to the end, that is an accomplishment in itself. My brother worked hard to be where he was. And when I say it's been a long journey, it's been a long journey. I personally have taken it upon myself to make sure my brother has been recognized for everything that is due to him. And after England, dealing with Gerald for 12 hours on the plane, I said we wasn't going nowhere else because he don't know how to act. But when they called me and told me Gerald was inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame, I told them that I would come to accept Gerald's award. And I thought about it, and I thought long, and I thought hard. Because everybody in this this room know what Gerald has been through. And because the life that Gerald has to live now, it might not be fair. I know damn well it's not fair because my brother had big dreams and this is not where he intended for them to be. But God has a plan for us all and I'll accept whatever he has for us.